Amen. 1 John chapter 5. That's where we'd like to invite you to be. So hopefully you brought a Bible. If you did, would you grab hold of it, opening up to 1 John chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you, page numbers on the screen where you can open that up rapidly and be there, or you can open it up on an electronic device. But we invite you one way or another to have the scriptures in front of you. There really is power in the word of God. There really is power in his words being just clearly seen and known by you. So we're inviting you this morning to be there with us. If you're in our overflow, if you're joining us online, please hear the same invitation. Don't let it be a place where you just listen. Grab a Bible. Open up a Bible. Be with us in the Scriptures so that God would open up His Word to you. So we continue this morning in our study of 1 John. We've been working verse by verse this this week, and I'm sorry, in this season. And this week we continue that and excited to see what God has for us. So with that as a name, let's take a moment and ask Him to meet us. I'm going to lead in prayer, but I would invite you to do the same right now. That you would pray and ask God to open up His Word to you that he would meet you this morning in his word for what he has for us. But that is our aim. Let's pray for it right now. God, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that you are a God who is working. How I ask for that right now, that you in power and you in your faithfulness would meet us. I think about this time where we study your word and I joy in recognizing what your word is. You tell us there in the book of Hebrews that your word is alive, that it's powerful, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it is able to pierce between just the thoughts and the intents of our heart. God, I bring that before you with great joy, knowing your word can do what nothing else can. It changes us from the inside out. I thank you that your work this morning isn't a external just pretending. It isn't a conforming or just putting on a mask. I thank you that you're changing and desiring to change us from the inside out. Do that this morning. Put your word in our hearts, and I love that this morning there's faithfulness in the way that you do that, precision in the way that you do that, that you apply it, and it literally will be different around the room, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will meet us exactly where we needed to be met, So I'm asking for that. Give us each ears to hear what you would say to us by the power of your Spirit. Open up to us this morning your truth for your good pleasure, Lord. We ask for that now, and by your name, Jesus, in your name, we ask for this. Amen. Amen. Prayer. Prayer is, on one hand, the most simple of realities, and on the other hand, one of the most complex and complicated truths found anywhere in Scripture. Prayer is so simple that the youngest child can pray. Wise is the parent that teaches, the grandparent that teaches kids to pray from the very earliest of ages. Those are prayers. You can, teach, you can learn that as a young child, and yet, at the same moment, Prayer is so complex that some of the greatest Bible students and theologians wrestle to this day, just understanding the complexities of what this is. It's so simple, so complex, and yet we're called to it. Every Christian prays. There is no such thing as a Christian that doesn't pray. It's impossible. It's part of our DNA. It's a part of our makeup. But every Christian knows they need to grow in prayer. There's not anybody here this morning, just so you know that you're not alone. There's not anybody that's like, oh no, prayer, I already got that. Like, let's go on to something else. Like, I totally got that covered. Not true for any of us. There's all of us that would say, yeah, 
There's more there than I yet know. There's more than I, I, I don't have. And I'm inviting you this morning to know that you're not alone in that, but it is a desire that we would grow, that God would meet us and help us to become those who pray better, that we would become strong in prayer, or in the words of our text this morning, that we would be confident in prayer. Yeah, that's what I want to hold out to you, the ability to grow in this confidence in prayer. Why don't you notice it with me in your text? You got your Bibles there? 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Wow. Hey, it's a pretty amazing verse. It describes much, but in essence, he says we can have this place of confidence in prayer, where we could grow in a place that we would have confidence in our prayer life and in our prayers. Now, I want to invite you towards that this morning, wherever you are, wherever that's found in your life, that God would meet you and help you to grab that which John is giving us this morning, which is this incredible place of being confident in prayer. So, how do we do that? How do we have what John is telling us to have a confidence in prayer? Well, would you notice with me how it begins? There in verse 14, it begins this way. Now, this is the confidence. Pause there. Now, this is the confidence. Now, well, yeah, that lets us know that there's something here in this prayer that I'm going to describe as an assured prayer. An assured prayer, yeah, the word now is that which really is a place that's referred to in the New King James, or if you have a different translation this morning, you might have the word and. It's what's known as a logical connective. It's a way of saying, because of this, or because you have what we just said, this goes with it. That's what the word now, is like a, that the Greek word that's used there, again, the word and that would be used that way. So you just grab with me, you don't really begin to say, you know, because you have this, now you also get this. Because you have what this is, along with that, you get this. That's what it's saying. So what is this place of prayer connected to? Well, to what we talked about last week, what Royce just read for you a moment in the passage, this place of having an assurance of our salvation, this place where God wants us to know that we know that we're His. Why don't you go back and see it? There in 1 John chapter 5, you go back a couple verses, we'll go to verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things, John says, I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Hey, here it is clear as we can say it, and very, very simply, God wants us. He desires for those who are His to have an assurance of their salvation. He says, I want you to know that you have eternal life. Now, that is what we talked about last week. In fact, we've talked about it a number of times in the book of 1 John. So if that is something that's not where you are or you need more information on it, we just invite you back to that. Go back and get the message online. Go back and see some of those. But I just want to tell you, he's inviting us to this. He's inviting us to a place where we would have an assurance that we're his, that we would know that we're followers of Jesus. There's no space that God wants you to be in that category of, 
I think so. You know, are you going to go to heaven? I think so. Like, that's not what he wants. That's not the way he wants you to, I mean, what a terrible space to live. It should be, yes. <laughs> you know, yes, I, I know Jesus. I know where I'm going. And if you have that, you can have this place of assured prayer, this place where we would say that we have an assurance of salvation. We have a confidence that we're his. Now, we get that from this logical connective that is how this sentence begins, but you can find it also further in the sentence. Go back and see it. Verse 14, now, this is the confidence that we have in him. So if it wasn't enough to give us the connection, you have it just very clearly. It's like, this is what you have if you're in Jesus. If you're in him, if you're in what he, who he is, this is that which we have. Not only do we have an assurance of salvation, we have a place where we can have this just place of confident prayer. Now, to gather that, to understand that, I need to talk to you for a moment about a reality that maybe you grab it, maybe it's clear to you, but if not, let me kind of explain it in a way that I long that it will land for you. Prayer, this place of praying to God, it works really only for Christians. God's design is that this is something that his kids have to do, that, that we get to come and pray. So that if you don't know Jesus, you could pray, but your prayers don't have the access that that of, a, of, a, of a follower of Jesus. In fact, think about it this way. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 59, says, Your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Let's just be really, really clear. When we say God doesn't hear, does that mean literally he doesn't hear? Well, no, God, God's omniscient. He knows everything. There's not like any sense it's like, I didn't hear you. I mean, it's not in that sense of, you know, unable to actually know that you prayed. He's just saying, that's not a prayer I answer. I'm not listening to that prayer. That's not a prayer that, that's connecting with me because sin has separated you from me. Your sin has gotten in the way so that that doesn't work. In fact, they give it to us this way in the book of Proverbs. It says, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer, God says, because they've hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. See, so here's a group of people that say, I don't believe in God. I reject God. I, I, don't, I don't trust him. I don't fear him. I don't honor him. I don't want to do his ways. But the crazy thing is sometimes people that live their lives that way still pray. And God says, I'm not answering. I, you know, like, you could call, you could pray all you want, but I don't answer those prayers. Now, we track around that for a moment, and again, I just wanted to make sure that you land with this, because here's the reality. I don't think I'm talking to anybody in this room, or anybody online, that says, oh, I don't ever do that. I don't pray. In fact, statistics tell us most Americans pray, pray every year. Somewhere along the line, maybe they say their nightly prayers, maybe they pray, uh, you know, at Easter or Christmas or somewhere along the time they pray. But here's what Scripture is telling us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, your prayers, they don't gather access before God. You don't, your prayers don't land. Now, the reality of that is actually really, really helpful. Because, see, I am probably talking to somebody this morning that you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you have prayed. And it didn't work. And you said, you know, I prayed, but I felt like my prayers hit the ceiling and bounced off. Can I lovingly tell you, they probably did. 
They, they probably did, because that's not the way it works. Prayer is not something that everybody gets to enjoy. It's not an access to God that all have. It's those that are in Christ. We now have this access to Him where our prayers get to be brought before Him in an incredible way, that that's what we have. Now, as I process this, let me just say this. It's right to pray. It is absolutely right to pray. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, please don't understand that I just told you, hey, don't pray. That's not exactly what, that's not what I meant. Pray. You keep praying. Talk to God. But know this until you have a relationship with with God. It's not going to really land there. Hey, for you parents who are raising your kids, teach them to pray. Even though you know in the back of your mind, it's like, I don't know if they yet know Jesus. But God is God. Just because they don't have, he's still sovereignly at work and you can trust him and maybe he will answer their prayers in part of drawing them to him. But one way or another, it is right for us to pray. It is right for us to pray. But with this, understand. We need access. We need access and it's essential because you need Jesus. It is absolutely essential that you would have a relationship with Jesus both for your eternal salvation but for access, that we get a place to do this. Thus, that's what the Bible would describe as praying in Jesus's name. We do it all the time. Maybe you do it, and you didn't even know why you did it. It's one of those things that sometimes you just kind of pick up, like Christianese, you know, you just say it. You know, you like, you like pray a prayer, and at the end of the prayer, you know, instead of, you know, goodbye, it's like, you know, in Jesus' name. That's how you end, you know, because that's how you're supposed to. And maybe you didn't even know why you did it. Why do we pray in Jesus's name? Because we're saying God, my access isn't me. My access is not in my name, my character, my right. I'm praying in Jesus' name, which is exactly what Jesus told us to do. Jesus gave it to us this way in John 14. He says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He says, here's the thing. You come and pray, not in your name, come and pray in mine. In fact, he would say it to us this way just a couple chapters later in chapter 16. He says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Without spending too much time on this, just technically speaking, Jesus is saying this the night before he goes to the cross. He is saying this actually hours before he's going to die on the cross. And he looks at it and says, you guys have never been able to do this yet. Up till now, you have never had this access. But he's about to die. He's about to give his life on the cross. And he says, and you're going to be able to pray in my name. You're going to be able to come because I will take care of your sin. Your sin that separates, your sin that hinders, I'm going to take care of. And you're going to be brought into a place that you get to pray. Like never before anybody, you get to pray. You have an access in Christ that is now unique and powerful and good. That's the reality. That's the place he's inviting us to. So he's telling us we get to have this beautiful place, this amazing place where in Christ we get to come. We get to come and have, because we're His, have this and we get to pray. And so the idea is assurance of our salvation should give us confidence. I use the word should because that's honest. You might be here this morning and you know you're a follower of Jesus, but somehow it hasn't yet translated into the just having a sure place of your prayer life. It can. It goes hand in hand. With one comes the other. With an assurance of your salvation comes a place where you have a 
open connection with God in prayer. It should do that, but by God's grace, may it invite you into that this morning, where God would invite you into a place where you have a confidence to pray, or maybe said differently, a freedom to speak freely, openly. That's actually what the word confidence means. So if you're looking at your translation there in uh, chapter four, 5, verse 14, it says, now this is the confidence. And the word confidence would have the idea of unrestrained, unhindered speech, that which is just you know, spoken freely, that which is laid out and poured out, which is exactly what God is inviting us to. Hebrews would tell it to us this way. Let us, you and I who are followers of Jesus, Therefore, because of Jesus, and the Hebrews before this, he's talking about how Jesus is our great high priest and how he's the one that's now made a way for us. He says, therefore, because of that, let's come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He says, if we're followers of Jesus, let's come unhindered, unrestrained, freely, confidently, boldly. This place where we have this amazing access in Jesus. Ephesians would give it to us this way. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. We have this access and that access is meant to be a confident uh, place where we have have a bold and a free access before him. That if we know who we are in Christ... If we know we're a follower of Jesus, it can, it ought to give this to us. Maybe that's clear enough, but let me just give it to you as a practical illustration, and it's going to help somebody. So bold speaking, unhindered, unrestrained speaking, it's how prayer is supposed to work, but it's how sometimes other relationships work as well. So I wonder, who is your best friend? You don't have to answer out loud. I hope you have one. I hope you have somebody that is your closest friend in the world. Maybe it's somebody you grew up with. Maybe for some of you, like it is for me, it's your spouse who is your best friend. Now, if you have them and they really are that, and it really is a good relationship, what that produces in you is bold speaking, unrestrained. It's the kind of thing that you can hang out and you just talk. I mean, you just get in their presence and all of a sudden you just, you just, you, you, you don't weigh your words you don't like, okay, wait, can I say this right? It's just like, you just talk. Like, they know you and you know them, and that freedom of access, that re- relationship you have with them creates such a safe space for you that you feel free to talk. You feel like, hey, I can just, I can just open up. I can just, I can just speak and, and, and feel unrestrained and, and unhindered. And that's a beautiful space that God is wanting there. So where that exists for you in a human relationship, understand God's saying, I want you to have that. And if you know you're mine, if you know you're my child, if you know you're there, it will produce that where you know you have access. Let's add to that this. God tells us he wants it. I like the way it gives it to us in just simple words there in 1 Thessalonians, where God invites us, hey, pray without ceasing. Three words that unpack for us this amazing reality. Let's just quickly own it. None of us have gotten there. There's not any of us like, that's exactly what I do. I never stop praying. No, you're not. Yeah, I mean, we fall short of that, but hear it from God's heart. He would like that. He says, that's what I want. I just want you to talk to me all the time. I want you to pray always with me. So put that together for me with just a moment. When we think about prayer, 
Prayer is meant to be this place that becomes that with God, this place of unrestrained where we just are able to open our hearts before Him and share. It's a beautiful space. Now, maybe that's what you're enjoying. Maybe I'm speaking to you this morning. You're like, I know Jesus, and that's exact. I know. But I know I'm talking to somebody here this morning. That's not the way you are. In fact, somehow you've got it backwards. And you kind of picture it as if, you know, when you pray, you actually are a bother to God. It's kind of like this. You kind of almost imagine when you pray, it's kind of like maybe getting to go into the boss's office and talk to him, or maybe like the CEO or something like that. And if that ever happens, you, you understand, hey, I'm going to go in, and you, you know, I got five minutes. You know, and you come in and you begin kind of a, hey, sorry to bother you, sorry to bother you, but had, I need to talk to you about something, you know, hey, just give me a couple minutes to unpack this, and the, you, know, you kind of imagine the CEO looking at you, and they're like, five minutes, five, it's all you got, and you have to pack it and pack it really, really quickly, and you hope you say it well, and, and then you're done, and you're like, okay, sorry, sorry, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, just, I didn't mean to bother you, you know, sorry about that. The crazy thing is some of you, that's how you pray. When you pray, you're kind of like, God, sorry, sorry, I know, I know you're running the universe and everything, and I know you probably don't want to hear from me, and, but I just thought I would quickly, I'm going to say it really, really fast, and, and I'll be done, I'll be done, and I'm going I'm to stop, I'm going to get out of this, as if somehow that's what God's like, that's exactly, you know, he's like, no, you're my child. I have brought you into a relationship with me, and I want you to have this unrestrained, uh, you just talk to me all the time, where you can come in and pray about anything and everything and always he says, I want you to know that. And if that isn't where you are, well, maybe it's because you're not confident you're his. But if you're confident you're his, then this is part of the package. When you have assurance of salvation, you're able to say, he's made a way in Christ. I get to come boldly, unhindered, unfettered, unrestrained, where I can tell God and speak to him, and that's the kind of relationship he wants with me. That's the kind of way my prayer is meant to be, and God is inviting you to that kind of confidence, to a place that you are confident that he wants to hear from you, that you are confident that you could talk to God all the time, and, and he is desiring that from you. What a beautiful space, and if that was all we had to say this morning, it would be good enough just to say, okay, may God give us that space where we have that. But this place where John is unpacking for us is more than just knowing that you can talk to him. Add to it this. Go back and see it in our verse. It says, now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us whatever we ask. Pause there. Maybe you understand just from my emphasis, we need to talk at this moment not just about having an assured place that our prayers can be heard, but it is actually meant to be prayer. Just so we have enough room on the screen, I'm going to slide that first one up off the screen. We'll bring it back in a moment. But we put the words up there where he simply says, ask anything, whatever you ask. Ask anything, whatever you ask. That's an open door. That's a place, again, that connects to our unhindered, unrestrained access, it's this incredible space where God is longing for this. In fact, he tells us this. I like the way he gives it to us in Philippians. Let me put it up in the New Living Translation because I like the way it says it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Isn't that well said? Hey, if you have the New King James and you want to read it that way, it says the same thing just in different words where it tells us, you know, be anxious for nothing, but by in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Saying the same thing, different words, but let it land in its simplicity. God's saying, if it bothers you, I want you to pray about it. 
If it's on your heart, if, you, if, if it's a weight, worry, stress, that's prayer. You should talk to me about everything. You should pray about absolutely everything. There shouldn't be anything that, that isn't prayed for. There is a sense that there is this, and so he's inviting us to that. He's inviting us to actual prayer. Now, if we're going to gather that, then part of what we need to understand in this is that God is a prayer-hearing, prayer-answering God. That when we think about what this is and we think about it, what it does, prayer actually works. Prayer actually works. God actually does answer prayer. There are things that if we don't pray, we don't ask, we won't have. So pause here with me for a moment. And I just want to just ask you to think this through with me. And right here, we are actually in one of the really big complexities about prayer. Now, if you have never wrestled this through, um, I'm going to apologize to you right now because I'm about to make it complicated or I'm about to bring you into confusion. But it's actually helpful because most of us face these questions at some times. And the questions begin to become, well, does prayer actually work? Does prayer actually change anything? If God is God, and God is good, and God is sovereign, if, if, if God is all that, does prayer do anything? Now, like most theological weights and worries and concerns, there are two extremes. And it's just that way most of the time. Most of the time when people kind of wrestle with things and they get off base, they go to one extreme or the other. The first extreme is that there are some that would say, hey, prayer is sovereign. God doesn't do anything unless we pray for it. Some would say, hey, prayer is so vital, so important, nothing happens on the planet unless somebody prays for it. Now, I just want to tell you, hey, there are some that actually teach this. It definitely falls into um, some of the word of faith doctrine, some of the people that would be over in, in kind of in extremes outside of where we are, but the Bible's really clear. That's not true. We could be really glad for that. I like the way it gives it to us in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Hey, lots of other verses I can give you, but this one just explodes it, right? I mean, God's like, you can be really thankful I am not limited to what you pray. You can be really thankful that I can do stuff you've not even thought of, that I'm able to do above and beyond all. I mean, God is sovereign, God is good, and God is powerful. He is not limited to your prayers. He is not. So again, some would say this, hey, prayer, nothing happens unless God, we pray about it. That's not true. But on the other side, there are some that say, well, actually, prayer does nothing. Prayer does nothing. You know, it, that we think about this, that, that prayer was, is ineffective, they would say. They would say, you know, God is good. He's sovereign. He's going to do what he's going to do anyway. So prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. Prayer doesn't change anything. Prayer only changes you. And without mentioning names, I know there's some really good preachers that believe this. I've heard really good godly preachers preach this. But I just want to tell you, hey, that's not true. That's not true. I understand where they get there. I can understand how it gets in the midst of it, but God's really clear. I like the way he gives it to us in James. In nine words, he explodes that understanding. You do not have because you do not ask. I like this. It's not even complicated words, right? I mean, these are like all simply words that like said so simplistically that if you're paying attention, none of us can say, well, that's not true. God says there are things you would have. There are things that you would have, and you don't have them. You want to know why you don't have them? Because you didn't pray. Prayer works. 
Prayer works. There are things that God does, and He does in response to prayer. So important that where we didn't pray and don't pray, there are things we will not have. I don't know if that bothers you. I don't know what that does for you. I, I, I think about it sometimes, and I've had these kind of conversations with, my, with our God, and sometimes I wonder when we get to heaven if He'll ever show us. Sometimes I'd like to know. Sometimes I think, you know, I wonder how many things God would say I would have done. You, you know what I would have done if you would have asked Jim? You didn't ask. And I, you, here's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, sometimes I wonder if he'll show us. Sometimes I think he's going to say, like, no, you, grace. Like, you don't need to know. Like, I, would, I don't know. But I know this. It's true. Prayer actually works. Prayer actually works. I think about Jesus as he was explaining this to us and appealing. He said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Said in different ways, all describing prayer. But Jesus is saying it works. You should ask. You should seek. You should knock. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. Like, prayer will change things in your world. And then he just reasons to us in a very gentle way. He says, what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, who will give him a serpent? Now, I know the way some of your brains work, so we're not talking like a joke, okay? Because some of you are like, I did that. No, no, not, not that. I mean, this is the kind of thing where a child is honestly like, I need bread. Like, I'm starving. Which father would we go like, no way. I'm going to you know, I'm going to poison them. I mean, you would just, this is not the heart of a real father. It's like, yes, of course I'm going to meet them. Of course, I'd love to take care of my kids. I, I, I would love to meet them in genuine spaces of need. If you then, being evil, Jesus said, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, give good things, notice, to him who asks him. You got to ask. Got to ask. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is something that sees things happen that wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. Now, again, if you've never wrestled this through, it is this place where theologians and Bible students wrestle because where's that line? Where's the line between God's going to do it anyway, regardless of your prayers? that he's sovereign, he's good, and he cares, and he's just going to do it in spite of you? Or where is the space where he says, I'm not going to go past this? There are things I would like to see happen in your life, but I'm not going to do it because I have designed that I want you to pray for it, that the way that's going to happen is prayer. I got to tell you, that's a line that the theologians will wrestle with till the end of time. I'm confident that God knows it, but I do know this. Prayer is not ineffective. Prayer is not ineffective. We need to pray. So if we understand this, then here's where we come. When we want to have a confident prayer life with God, then we actually have to pray. If we want to have a confident prayer life with God, then we actually have to pray. That we have to be those who say, okay, God answers prayer. Therefore, I pray. That's why I do that. That's that, you know, I, I believe that he hears. I believe that he answers. And I know I have a relationship with him. And that creates inside me a space that moves me to actually be a person that just doesn't think about prayer or know that I should pray, but who actually prays. You know, I think I'm talking to somebody who this morning, Right now, you just need to hear that because somehow you got yourself upside down on this. You actually did become one of those people that thought, God already knows what I need. He's good. He's sovereign. I don't even know why I need to pray. 
I mean, he's, gonna, he's God, he's going to do what he's going to do, and it actually has so messed up your world that you don't pray because you, just, you don't even believe that it works, but God is telling you it works. God is telling you it works. In fact, think about it this way. Jesus prayed. I like about it in Luke 11. It says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place that when he ceased. When he was praying, when Jesus was praying, and all by itself, if you could see this, it would be enough to move you and say, if Jesus, when he lived his life here on earth, prayed, I need to pray. If Jesus prayed, what am I doing not praying? If Jesus, you know, found things that would be a part of life and he lived a life of praying and intercession, then I certainly need it because need to have the example that Jesus does. But I love this encounter because it actually goes on. It says, so Jesus is praying. He's praying in a certain place. He stops praying. So he gets up or moves away from whatever space he's praying and his disciples are actually there. And one of them says to him, Lord, teach us to do that. Teach us to pray. I just, we just watched you, and we don't, I, I, I don't know how to do what you just did. Like, I want more of what you are. Teach me. And I like the way the wording of it is. It doesn't teach me how to pray. Teach me to pray. Teach me to do that. Teach me to be one who actually prays. Now, Jesus goes on and gives them the example prayer, the uh, model prayer that we talk about often, but it's enough to know that that need is there, and I'm asking for it, and I'm asking for it for you and I, that we would look at this and say, we want to grow into a space that we could be confident in prayer, but there's no way to do that if we're not actually praying. May God cause us to be those who recognize this. And so let's put together where we are so far. Confident prayer begins by knowing you're his kid knowing you actually have access in Jesus' name, and then you actually pray. If you actually pray, yeah, that's the only way you're going to have this. May God teach us to pray. But it's not just actual prayer, it's accurate prayer. I have no idea why I did the whole beginning with A thing. I just did. Just If it works for anybody, let it land, but if it doesn't, just don't let it distract you. But let's go back and notice what it is. So he gives it to us this way, and he says, now, verse 14, This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will. So accurate prayer is this place where we're praying if we ask anything according to his will. Hey, this is big. This is going to change things for somebody. It's going to change the way you see this, and it might need to reinvent and, and re-show you some things, even about what this is. Because prayer outside God's will does not work. Prayer, praying for something that is not what God wants, praying for something that is not His will, doesn't work. It doesn't produce. In fact, I love it. So we go back to that passage in James, which is one of the most clear, articulated passages on prayer. And he simply says, hey, some of you don't have things because you're not praying. You do not have because you do not ask. Like, your problem is you're not praying. And you would have things in your world that don't exist right now because you don't pray. But then he speaks to somebody else at the same moment. But then there's somebody else. You are praying, but it's not working. You ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. You're praying, but you're praying wrong. You're praying for your own selfish ends. You're praying, trying to get God to do what you want him to do, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and then you're frustrated. It's like, well, I am praying. I am praying. He's not, he just doesn't do it. 
Ah, he says, because you, you didn't get it. It's prayer is not getting your will done. It's not that. Real prayer is not getting our will done in heaven. Real prayer is getting God's will done on earth. Yeah, that's what Jesus taught us to pray, right? Some of you have the whole Lord's Prayer memorized. I do. It's a great prayer to use as an example, not just to repeat, but to use it subject by subject. And if you do so, then you'd come to that place where you're praying this, and you would say, as Jesus taught us to say in prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I'm praying right now for your will. I am praying for what you want. I'm praying for your will in my life, in these situations. God, I want that. I I want what your will is. Prayer is seeing God's will done. Prayer is not a place where we are giving God advice. Prayer is not a place where we are, you know, telling God things that he didn't know. Now, you probably recognize this, but let's just be clear. For some of us, that's how it works. We thought our place of prayer was to lobby God for our purposes, Like, our place of prayer was to come and, you know, try to convince God why he ought to do what we want him to do. I love the way it's given to us in the book of Isaiah. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or as this counselor has taught him? To whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Hey, biblical answer, nobody like, no, but there's never been a space where God, you know, kind of came to you and said, boy, I am so stressed. Trying to figure out how to run the world, I thought I'd ask you for some advice. You know, I just thought if you could help me figure out how to do it, because I, I don't know how to, ha- never happened. But let's also be clear. Many of us have tried. Many of us thought that prayer was us giving God advice. God, like, I know, I know you're really busy, I know you're running the universe, but I don't know if you saw what was happening, and so now I'm telling you, I just want to make sure you did know what's happening in my life, and then I want to tell you what you should be doing about it. I want to tell you, hey, this is what needs to happen, and, and God, you need to do it now. Like, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, this is, this is that whole deal, and some of us thought that's what prayer was. Prayer was giving God advice. Prayer was telling God what he should be doing as if that would even work. No, prayer is not giving God advice. Real prayer is seeing God's work done, seeing what he is wanting to do in our world and life come to fruition and power. Now, this would change the way some of us brought. George Mueller, who lived an incredible life of faith, an incredible prayer warrior, said it this way, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of God's willingness. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. But some of us think it is. Some of us think our place of praying is trying to convince God why he ought to do what we think he ought to do. As if, if we prayed harder or longer or more passionately, that he would, fine, fine, fine. No, God, you need to do this. God, don't, I, I, don't, I just want to come again and tell you, you need to do, God, just, as if somehow we almost thought God would just be like, okay, okay already, you know, I'll do it, you know. That's not real prayer. Prayer is saying, God, I want what you are so wanting to do. What God is like, I really want to do that. I re- that's, that's exactly what, I, I love you. 
and I want what's best in your life, and I am longing to do that. I mean, I am want, I've been waiting for you to ask so I could give it to you. I've been waiting. I mean, I, it's as if almost like this place. I mean, I, I imagine it being like one of those places where he's like, I got a gift behind his back. He's like, I was just waiting for you to ask for it. I mean, I can't really, I, I just I determined not to give it to you to ask, but I, I've been waiting to give this to you. I've saved it for you. I've prepared it for you. I wanted to do that for you, but I couldn't do it till you asked because I wanted it to happen that way. Prayer is a place where we become into this place where we are not you know, trying to convince God and reason with him to do what we, prayer is saying, God, I want what you want in my life, in my world, in these situations. Now, that's really, really good. And it would change the way you pray if you believe this. Now, without spending much more time on this, I just want to quickly tie this back into what we just saw. So prayer works, right? That's what we saw in our previous point. Prayer actually works. You actually have to pray that James tells us there are things that you don't have because you don't ask. Now, that gets a little bit mind-blowing, but let's just let it blow our minds for a moment. So that means if there are things that you don't have because you didn't ask, and the only things that God would ever give you are the things that are in his will, that means there are things that are in his will that you don't have because he is determined not to give them till you ask for them. There are things that God wants for your life that you don't have because in his sovereignty, he has said, you're going to have to ask for it. That's how I want to do it, but I want it for you. I want it for your life. And again, that's just one of those weird spaces that you can get, get lost in this because sometimes he'll do it anyway. Sometimes in spite of us, in spite of our folly, he's just like, I'm going to do it anyway because I'm, I'm good to my name. You know, I'll, I'm going to do that anyway in your life. But some of it is because we need to lay hold of it, that we desperately need this space of doing this. So prayer is not getting our will done. We're not trying to convince God of doing anything. Prayer is actually seeing what he wants that's what John is telling us, so he can say it again. Hey, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, like that's what we're praying for. We're praying for his will. So let's ask the million-dollar question. How do we do that? Like, how do we pray according to God's will? I have no idea. Let's go home. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but I will tell you it's bigger than we have a time to, to begin to unpack. But I will begin by just saying it a couple ways. First of all, you've got to want it. You've got to want it. There is a place that you ought to be one who seeks it. Jesus taught us to pray. Your will be done on earth as is in, is in heaven. Hey, if you want to have a confident prayer life, this is something you should be saying. It doesn't need to be said verbatim. But it is a place where you come and say, God, I'm wanting what you want. And sometimes you can be even really honest with God. He's good with that. Where you can come and say, God, I want to want what you want. I know I should want it, but now I'm just kind of being honest. I'm not sure, I, but I, want, I know I should want what you want because your way is best for me. Your will is good and perfect, and I'm just going to look at this right now and say, Lord, whatever it is you want, that would be the best thing. That would be the best thing. Not what I think, but what you think. God, I, I want your will. And it begins in that space where you would even want that, that you would be asking that, God, I, I want what you want. I want what you want for my life, and I'm going to pray for it because you've told me that you'll answer those kinds of prayers. I'm going to come in and seek that. So it begins with a desire of seeking it. 
add to that, Scripture becomes one of the best ways to know what God wants, right? So God has given us His Word. It reveals the heart of God. And for those who pray well, you've figured this out. If you haven't, let me just quickly give it to you in a way that I don't have time to go into it in depth. You want to know what God wants? He tells you. And one of the most powerful ways of praying is to pray God's Word back to Him, where you can say, this is what you said, God. This is what you said. And so I know this is what you want because this is what you said. So I can ask for this. I can ask for this on the authority of your word, and I know I'm praying for the right thing. If your word says it, then I can pray for it. I can pray for what it is you tell me you want, and one of the most powerful ways of doing that is that. So for the good prayer warrior, you'll grow in this. You'll memorize scriptures that really flow into your prayer life, ones that you know God meets you, shows you pieces of his character. Other places you'll look up and you'll have them written down. I do. I have a long list of verses that I just sometimes reach out and grab. You know, it's like, okay, I'm praying for this. Well, I'm going to come and pray it because, God, you said it. You, you said it to me, that you said it. I think about David who would write in Psalm 27. He says, you know, you said to me, seek your face. So my heart says to you, your face I'm going to seek because you said I could. Because you said I could. You told me to. Because you said it, I know I can ask for it. Because you told me what you want, I know that's something I can pray for. That's how this beautiful place where we take God at his word and we pray that back to him. Scripture gives you that, wise is the Christian who uses that. But you're not left alone there. On top of that, we have the work of the Holy Spirit. That God has given every one of us who are followers of Jesus the work of the Spirit. And he prays this. And Romans 8 tells it to us this way in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Amen. Like sometimes that's, that's, I don't know how to pray. I don't, I'm not sure what the right thing in this moment is. He says, you know, I know that. But the Spirit himself make, makes intercession for us according with groanings which we cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Like he is praying for God's will to be done in your life. He is praying accurately for that. Now that is helpful, that is joyful, but sometimes he'll help, sometimes he'll show you things. One of the dynamic relationships of the Spirit is sometimes he'll put things on your heart where instead of you, you know, telling God what you think, he begins to share with you what he thinks, and when that happens, it's an entirely different thing. Now again, so much more I could say here, but we just need to change what we think. Some of us thought that prayer was giving God a piece of our mind. You know, like our, our, our goal was to tell God what we thought he should do. And we're coming to the place like, God, no, I need to know what you want to do. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will show it to you. He'll just show you things like, I want you to pray for this. This is what I want you to pray for. This is what that looks like. And he does that. By the way, that connects into the next verse, right? Some of you know it. One of the most famous verses in Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It flows out of this, that the Spirit is interceding, that we're longing for that. We're saying, God, do that. Like, I, I want all that you have for me. I want you to work everything together for good. It's this beautiful place of doing that. So if we're going to pray rightly, we definitely want to be that that's seeking it. We're going to let Scripture guide us. We're going to let the Spirit help us. But maybe we just say it ends with this place of surrender, that we'd admit, like, God, I want what you want. End of story. Jesus did that in the most powerful prayer probably in the history of the world, found there in Gethsemane. He prays, Mark 14 records it for us this way, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. 
Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is praying there in Gethsemane. He says, God, there's not, you're, you're gone. You're not hindered. You're not anything you couldn't do. God, take this cup away. The cup is referring to the cup of suffering, the, the cross that Jesus is about to go to in just a few hours from this moment. And he and his humanity is looking at it, and, and you can feel it. The weight, the pressure, the power. Is God, is there any other way? Is there any other way? If there is, take it away. If there's, if there's any other way to do this, I don't want to go, this, this, this is heavy, I feel it. Nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus took the cup. He drank the cup. He died on the cross for our sins. He paid our price for all eternity. And yet in this moment, he teaches us this incredible lesson about prayer. That sometimes the combat is coming saying, God, it's not what I want, but what you want. And I just want to surrender. You know, sometimes it's really helpful to even just say that out loud. I, I do it some in different ways that, you know, in a place where I'm interceding or praying to God about things, sometimes I'll just come and say something to the, like this. God, if I've asked anything that isn't according to your will, I know you're not going to do it anyway, but please don't do it. Like, don't give me anything that's not your will. I don't want it. I'm not smart enough to navigate my own life. I will mess it up if I'm in control. God, I want your will. God, I want your will. I, I want what you want for me. I want your will accomplished in my life. That's good praying. That's how Jesus prayed. That's what he's telling us to do. And so he's inviting us into the space where we could confidently pray, where we could come in and say, hey, this is what God has for me. This is what it looks like. This is how it works. And that's amazing. May God help us. Again, I, I, I know that for some of you, like I already figured this out, Jim, this is something that's a part of my life, but I'm just knowing, I know this, that for somebody so much of your prayers have just been exploded. You're like, huh, that doesn't look like my prayers at all. I really thought my prayers were trying to talk God into doing stuff. I really thought my prayers were like, okay, God, I know you're, I know you're busy, I know you're running the universe, and you probably haven't seen it, but I'm suffering. And it's thought I pointed out to you, and I thought I'd tell you that you need to fix this. I mean, that's kind of how you thought it was supposed to be. Like, you were supposed to spend your time informing God and somehow trying to convince him to do what you wanted. And now you're, I mean, you're coming, it's like, wait, that's not praying, huh? No, my prayer life is to say, God, I, I, I'm going through something right now. God, I want to pray for your will to be done. God, I want, I, what, 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 what do you want in this? God, what is it you're doing? I'm praying, I'm bringing this situation before you, not as a place of trying to tell you that you didn't know it, but I'm asking for your will. And there are things that would never happen if you didn't pray for it, but they would be God's will. And you could see that accomplished. That would change radical things. That's this incredible place of confident prayer. How do you get there? You have a relationship with God because that's the only way you're going to have it. And if you know that you're his and you find freedom in being his child and you actually pray and you accurately pray, you're praying for things that God wants, that can bring us into a place where you can have an accomplished prayer. Notice how he says it to us here in the verse. Verse 14, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If we're praying according to his will, we could know God heard me. God heard my prayer. And I could know that he has heard that prayer and I have it. That petition is answered. 
That position is there. It lets us know that we can have an absolute confidence, not when we see the prayer answered, but when we prayed. We could know it when we prayed. When we're done praying, we would say, God, I, I know that that was heard. That's how Jesus did it, by the way. He gives it to us as an example in John 11. It says, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. It's like, I know you heard me. I've I've prayed, I'm praying for this, and I know you heard me. It's been accomplished. I I know that what I'm praying for, you've heard. It's an amazing reality, a place where we could actually see that. I think about it this way. We have a, given to us in James, it tells us the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. One of those great verses that also talks about prayer and inviting you and I to it, that prayer actually works. It's an effective if we're fervent, if we're actually praying and we're coming in righteousness, which if you're kind of tracking with us, can't be your righteousness. I mean, if you're coming before God in your righteousness, I don't know how you're ever going to see anything accomplished. But if you're going to come in Jesus' name, if you're going to come in his righteousness, God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus. I'm praying on the basis of who he is. Those prayers become powerful. Those prayers become effective. And so James just reasons with us about Elijah. This is Elijah in the Old Testament. He was a man with a nature just like ours. He was just a man. But he prayed earnestly, and it did not rain. He prayed it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Wow. So great story, great account given to us in, in, in 1 Samuel. If you go back and read it, some, I'm sorry, 1 Kings, if you want to read the whole thing at some point, it unpacks this for us. But here's this amazing thing. Elijah's prayers changed. It changed the actual kind of, you know, weather patterns that were happening in the world. When, God, when by God's will, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. It stopped raining for three years. And then God wanted it to rain. And so Elijah prayed and it rained. God worked through his prayers. It changed the weather patterns, which is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this crazy, wild thing, but it was praying according to his will. In fact, we think about it, how it's given to us there in 1 Kings, if you want to read all of it, it's chapter 18. When Elijah's praying this, it says, then it came to pass the seventh time that he sends his servant to go look for the answered prayer. He says, there's a cloud, as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So Elijah, he said, go up and say to Ahab, who is the king, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So you almost got to imagine this moment. Elijah's been praying, and he's been praying, and, and, and once he sees the cloud, the size of a man's hands, he knows his prayer is answered, and he's able to get up and just, he turns over to Ahab and says, you, you better run. It's about to rain. It's about to rain. It's going to get, so you, if you don't go now, you're going to get caught in a flood, and it did rain. When did Elijah know it was going to rain? Did he know it when it started raining? No, he knew it when he got up from his prayers. That's what this is inviting us to, to a place that we could get, a place where we know that what we've prayed has been heard and it's being answered, to a place that that can happen. Now, I pause to be entirely honest, and I hope to be a little bit transparent in this moment. Um, I know a little about this personally, but I know there's much more for me than I've yet experienced that's a little bit troubling. You know, sometimes as a pastor to stand up here and tell you, I hope you, you know, come where I am and go past me. I, I hope you can say, Jim, I know that. Maybe you do, but I'm telling you it's possible. I read about it. I love reading about men and women in times past, reading biographies. In fact, I was reading one, I think I mentioned it to you guys last week, of Henry Frost, and he was one of the, the leaders of the North American uh, kind of 
band of, of uh, China Inland Missions that was sending missionaries into China, and so as he was overseeing it here in America, it was just one of these places. They decided they did their whole missions at that point in time by faith. That means they never asked for money, had no, you know, appeals, never asked for money. They just wanted to believe if God has it, he'll prompt people, and so they just prayed. They just prayed for God to work, and that was kind of a, a wild thing in those days, and so he sought to do that, and at that moment, as they just were beginning to start up this North American uh, kind of feeding of missionaries into China, they were struggling even to pay the rent. And there was a specific season when they were lacking $35 to pay it. But at that same moment, they had a number of candidates kind of appealed to go over to China, to be missionaries in China. So he sat down and calculated it, and it would take $5,000 in that day to send all the missionaries that needed to go to China. And they, they didn't have $35 to pay their rent. And so they did what they always did. They didn't send out an appeal. They didn't let anybody know. They just began to pride. They sat down and said, God, you know, this is your work, and we're asking for you to provide. And they prayed so intently, and there was a specific prayer meeting when they were there that it just, they, they got a sense of God's purpose, his plan, that that's what he had, so much so that they knew. They got to the end of that prayer meeting, and they said, it's done. God's answered. He's going to send it. He's going to send $5,000, so much so that they never prayed about it again. They said, you know, for us to pray for it now, would be to, to reject that God. We're just going to thank God for what he's done. Even though they hadn't seen a penny come in. And over the next month, it came in. Not in one big chunk, although that would have been amazing, but it was actually more amazing to them because it came in in a number of smaller ways. Ways that nobody could have seen it happen, but every penny came in to, that came a part of that. And it was this amazing season, but you know, they were in that place. It was like, well, we knew it was. We, we, that was decided when we prayed. And we knew it was going to happen because we were praying according to God's will. We, we just were waiting to see it happen. But we absolutely knew it was going to take place. I give that to you and tell you there's something there for us. To the kind of place that we could say, hey, I want this. I want to come into prayer and, and pray. And there's a place where we could be confident, where we could say, God, you heard me. My prayer is answered. I, 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 it's been answered. Now, that's something we can have in a number of ways. In fact, let's just break it back to all that we've talked about. So how would you have that? How could you ever feel so confident? Well, first of all, because you have a relationship with him. If you're his child, like you know, like he's inviting you into his presence, you could pray. If you have that and you, and you know you're his and you actually pray, you actually are praying and asking and asking for God to work. If you're actually doing that and your prayers are according to his will, then you could know. You could absolutely know that God is answering that. Now, it could be in one sense that you're just saying, God, I want your will to be done. I, I'm praying for this, but there's something about being able to get up from that and know that God has heard your prayers. So as we begin to wind this down this morning, let me give it to you in two ways. Maybe you're here this morning, and again, I've talked about all this, and one of the things that's become really, really clear is you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and your prayers don't work. And maybe you know that. And you're kind of thinking, well, that's, that's why my prayers don't work. I'm not yet a follower of Jesus. Understand this, he's inviting you to seek him. I like the way it gives it to us in Jeremiah. It says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. God expresses this to Israel, but it's an expression of his heart. He says, I'll tell you what, if you'll seek me with all your heart, if you'll pray for me, and you're really genuine in that, you'll find me. I just want to hold that out to every one of you. 
I think about how he gives it to us in the book of Romans. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what he's talking about. But if you will cry out to him, and you'll cry out to him with genuineness and honesty and searching for him with all your heart, God says, that's a prayer I answer. That is a prayer I will answer. And I hold that to you this morning. If you don't know him, cry out for him for salvation. Cry out with everything you are for him to save. And may he bring you into that life. But if you're in that life, if you're his, I think about what he tells us, what I already held to you out in Hebrews, where it says the same thing we've talked about, but just in other words. He says, tell you what, you and I, who are followers of Jesus, let us come boldly, freely. Let's embrace the access that we have in God. Let's come before the throne of grace so that you and I could obtain mercy and grace to help. Mercy and grace are things we don't deserve. That's, of course, true. God, I need what, but I'm asking for it. That will help me. That will hold me. He says, tell you what, let's do this. Let's be the people that enter into this kind of life. Let's be the people who would do that, who would have this incredible, confident prayer life. God is inviting you to it. I don't know where that's found for you, but I'm inviting you to it. So let's do this. Uh, You can close your Bibles, your notebooks, whatever it is you have open. And we're going to close, and we do this each week, but it just is significant right now. I want to give you a moment to pray. I want to give you a moment to pray quietly between you and God. Maybe you're just going to come exactly this way that you're just going to say, God, I know I have access, if you're his. And you're actually going to pray. For some of you, you might need to quickly apologize. God, sorry, I thought my purpose was to convince you. (laughs) I thought I was supposed to get you to do my will. Maybe you just want to say it in the most simple way. God, your will be done. God, just ask him for it. Just ask him for it. Maybe there's something specific you want to pray about. Do that. Again, if you're not his, this is a moment for you to cry out for him to meet you. So let's take a quiet moment. Continue you in the Lord, would you just talk to him about this? And let's just ask that he would be the one that would draw us into what he has. So you take a quiet moment and pray. I'll do the same, and we'll close in prayer and worship in just a moment.